We are, uh, we're continuing a series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We are in Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. We started in the beginning of February, and we're going to remain in these chapters until the end of May. Uh, we're we're going to have a couple of weeks off uh, for, you know, in, um, in April. There, there's some different things going on that we're actually going to let you know about next week. But, um, but Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is called the Sermon on the Mount, and it's really Jesus' first full sermon that we have, right? Now, he was teaching all over the place and doing a lot of great things, but, but this sermon is sort of like, man, this is where it, we get like the, the, the raw message from Jesus, you know, beginning to end, and what he's really doing is he's setting a trajectory for his ministry and for what it really means to be what we would call a Christian but, but more specifically, a follower of Jesus, like a disciple of Christ, not just a cultural type of, hey, everybody's doing it, right? It's Sunday, we come to church type of thing, but like a relationship with, with Jesus that, that we live out day in and day out, that really changes us into a, what the Bible calls a new creation. So he's, he's confronting a lot of things, and uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, then you know what I'm talking about. If you missed some weeks, as always, I would encourage you to go back on YouTube or, or podcast, and uh, you can catch up on the sermons. You can also catch up at like a 1.5 speed, you know, in case you're like a 1.5 speed. If you're really crazy and you get up to the 1.75, I don't know how you do that. But 1.5 is the, is the limit for me. But you can kind of catch up in that to where you kind of know what we're talking about here. But um, Last month, we talked about uh, how Jesus helped us understand the heart of the law. And we spent a lot of time each week d- uh, kind of pushing into that, the heart of the law versus the spirit of the law. And uh, we, we talked about how Jesus fulfilled it. Uh, we just sang about it, the law and the prophets. That's what it's referring to. Uh, he fulfilled the laws, all right? He raised the standard of the laws. Everybody had kind of created their own way of, a, of obeying the laws and kind of had made their own little system. And, and he's like, yeah, that's, that's cool, but... but I'm raising the standard uh, so high that he knew that we could not actually attain that, which was the point because we would need to rely on him. Uh, but he also shows how uh, we'll never meet that perfect standard, but we should always strive for it, right? Some people, they kind of say, well, I'll never, be, I'll never be perfect. I'll never be perfect. And so that's kind of their way of saying, well, I'm not even going to try to even please God in the way that I live my life. It's just one big shrug. And that's not the heart of the law. You know, the heart of the law is to obey to the best of our ability, but we will fall short, and that's where God's grace fills the gap. But like Paul says in Romans, we don't sin so that grace abounds. So y'all feel that tension? It's sort of like tent pegs on either side of the tent holding it up. It's like, okay, we're, we're, we're in tension, and this is the life that, that we live in. Uh, now, remember in chapter 5, Jesus says this, and this kind of sets the trajectory for where we're headed today. Verse 16, he said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So basically, do good things for people to see and that they would see that in order to give credit to God. Okay? Let your light so shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on. How many Sunday school people we got up in the mix, you know? Uh, Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it. Yeah, yeah, you feel it? That right there, come on, this is it. I'm going to say one thing real quick, just help you guys out. It's okay to laugh in church a little bit. I see some of you kind of like, it's okay. That was a joke, you know. We laugh at jokes outside of church. We get in church and it's like, am I allowed to laugh? Yes, we can laugh. But let your light so shine before others. And I like this, so they may see it, so they'll see your good works. And as a result of that, they'll give glory to God. 
So uh, this is sort of, again, setting the trajectory for where we're headed. But Jesus takes us deeper into evaluating the heart of those good things, the why behind, we, behind those good things that we do. And in chapter 6, where, it's, where we're starting today, he starts with the heart behind doing generous things. So verse 1, chapter 6, let's dig in. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Okay, verse 1 sets the tone for verse 2 through 18. So the next few weeks, really this month, this verse right here is the umbrella, okay? Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. All right, so if we do righteous acts to be seen by people, we lose the reward from God in heaven. If we do righteous things in order to, to receive accolades from people, we lose the reward in heaven. That's kind of the point. Now, the crowd that Jesus is talking to, he's talking to Jews and Gentiles, uh, people that really understand the law and, and people that don't as much. And then you've got religious leaders, Pharisees and, and the Sanhedrin, you know, and Sadducees and the scribes. And these guys, they break down the law. They know every jot and tittle. Like they, they know everything about the law. And so... Whenever he says this, he's beginning to push up against the way that they do things. He's pushing up against their system because the Pharisees taught a works-based righteousness. A works-based righteousness, which honestly is something that we really understand. In, in, in our pure natural sense, we understand works-based anything. Basically, if I'm nice to you, you're nice to me, we get that. That's why so many people love karma. They talk about karma so much because it kind of makes sense in our head. And so they, they basically had this, per, this perspective, this approach to the law. And uh, Jesus' teaching cuts at the heart of their teaching. And so he's pushing up against them. And their whole teaching is that works-based righteousness, his, his teaching is that, that works-based righteousness is worthless because it's really just self-righteousness. Has anybody ever called you self-righteous? They might have meant it in a little bit different sense, but... The point is that if, like, I can do something good enough to reach a standard of holiness and righteousness, that then I will be pleasing to God in my own self. And Jesus is like, that's not the way it is. You're, you're putting the cart before the horse. You're wrong. It's inaccurate. And this is messing with people. And it still messes with us today. Because like I just said, we actually understand the works-based righteousness. It's like core in us. It's like this natural thing. He's like, that's not the way it is. So some Jews were operating in a system that also rewarded them for their generosity. So their reputation, they might have had a really good reputation because of how much money they gave to the poor. Uh, or, or what they did to so their reputation was, you know, really good in the community. Uh, you had politics happening. Uh, look, the Sadducees were very political, and so they would do a lot of really good things, uh, but they would do it for political reasons. Um, you know, <clears throat> kind of like today, we have like charitable contributions in our world. Uh, now, one thing I do love about our, our economy is that we actually incentivize people being, ch you know, having charity, doing charitable donations and things like that. And I think it's, you know, if you go to a country that doesn't have that at all, and then you come back to America and you see that, and you're like, wow, this is really amazing that we even care about one another, even if it's just to get a tax break. But people, we, we, we do that. But, you know, 
You know, kind of like how sometimes you, I don't know if you're like an NFL fan, but sometimes you see these players and um, they go to like the hospital for their foundation and like they sit with the kids and, and it's really beautiful. But isn't it also kind of weird that they just so happen to have like a $50,000 camera that's shooting them do that? And then they post it in order to promote their, you know what I'm talking about? Like all of a sudden it's like, wait, does he always go and hang out with the little kids who are sick or is it once every three years whenever he needs an updated promo reel, you know, <laughs> like, see what I'm saying? So nowadays, it, we can take what Jesus is, is kind of talking about and we can sort of plug it into our scenario very easily where we can see it. But it's also very easy to see it with other people, but whenever we start turning inward and saying, what about me? It's not so easy. We're going to jump into that in just a moment. But, uh, you know, the old, the old kickback. Uh, have you ever been nice to someone and, um, and they were really nice back to you until you didn't want to do what they wanted you to do? You know, like your relationship is really good. Like, I mean, they're fully supportive of you and man, y'all hang out. It's just so cool. And maybe you're like a business guy and like, you know, you guys are having all these plans and everything's so cool. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I don't, ah, I don't think I want to do that. Or, ah, and all of a sudden they're just like, you know, you know, like, cobra status and they're like all of a sudden your friend is now your enemy why because you're not benefiting them anymore and so your disagreement or your I don't think I'm going to go that far I don't know if I'm going to be a part of that revealed the motive that that person had in being with you or being around you or going in business with you whatever you know whatever the shoe is for you put it on but um, uh, it reminds me of this story Years ago, as a pastor, a friend of ours in uh, Louisiana, he passed away, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, but he was a pastor of a large church in Louisiana, and uh, this lady came up, and she was well off, she had a lot of money, and she said, Pastor, what would one do if one had a very large sum of money that they wanted to give to the church? You know, very pretentious, like you could feel it, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so just a good old Cajun, you know. Just, he's a really quiet guy, kind of, you know, kind of older man. He just said, well, one would put it in the offering. <laughs> Which was not what she was wanting because, you know, you know th- what we're talking about here, that was, that was her motive. Which is, man, am I going to get like a pew with my name on the side of it? Or I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Like some sort of, like I could put a plaque on the wall. You know, uh, wh- what is that? It's someone who was wanting public accolades from people and not just with a humble heart giving it to, to the church. Now, now we're going to bounce this out because some of you are probably like, oh, no, you know, I have to do everything in secret. And if anybody sees I've lost my reward, we're going to balance out the heart here in just a moment, okay? Because there's always, a, there's always a, a both and to this. But he says, beware or be careful of the temptation to seek a reward from people and not God. The point is that your motive determines whether an action is right or wrong. Your motive. And the big filter question is, am I doing this for the glory of God or the attention of people? Okay? Now, with that said, I have a question for you. You don't have to answer this, but but ask yourself this question. How do I know my motive is pure? Just think about that for a second. How do I know that my motive is pure? That might be even what you're thinking right now, like before I even said it. How do I know? Well, I have an answer for you. You ready? Drum roll. You don't know. 
you actually don't know. And you're like, but I have, I have such a good heart. Yeah, the heart is deceitful, <laughs> right? The heart is deceitful. So I could, I could convince myself that I'm doing something for people, but I could be doing it for myself. I'm going to be totally transparent with you. Every single week that I stand up in front of you and teach, I have to go through this, this thought process. Why am I wanting to stand up in front of people and teach the word of God? Is there some sort of weird offset subconscious thing that I receive from it that I like that I actually want to continue to do that? Or is my heart pure and actually wanting to communicate truth for the glory of God? All the time. And you can look into your life right now and you can begin to ask those hard questions about your own heart. Why do I do those things? But even if you just ask yourself those questions, it's not good enough. You still are not going to know. Proverbs 16.2 says, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. All of your ways seem so good. I'm such a nice, I'm a good person. How many of y'all, come on, come on. How many, if you've ever said this in your life, raise your hand. I'm, I'm, just, I'm a good person. Yeah. Where's my good reform people? I've never said I'm a good person. I am totally depraved and I know it. Right? <laughs> All of our ways are pure in our eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. The Lord knows. The Lord weighs the spirit. This is why we must continue to bring our motives to the Lord in order to know if our motives are completely pure. This is why. You can put that up on the screen behind us, by the way. We froze. It's all good. That was one of those tweetable moments. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like, we must continue to. <laughs> but it's true. We must continue to bring our motives in order to know. But it's not a one-time thing. Like, you know, four years ago, I prayed that I would have the right heart in my marriage. And uh, I felt really good then, so I'm still good. Y'all. This is day-to-day, day, sometimes hour-to-hour. Hour. You don't cross the threshold of now I'm in this place of pure motives and you remain there. Our life is on this incline and we're like, we're like scrapping to get up the hill of having pure motives. And then we're like, we stand up like we're good. We think we're standing straight up, but we're on a hill and we're leaning backwards and then we fall back down. You know, this is a struggle that we're in. So Jesus is calling out those people with wrong motives in the next verses. He actually calls them hypocrites. Nobody likes to be called a hypocrite, right? None of us. But Jesus is saying if you do things for the attention of people, if you do righteous acts for the attention of people rather than the glory of God, you fit this category. And then he's also going to speak about our motives surrounding specifically generosity, He's going to lean into that. So this, let's go to verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, by the way, when you give to the needy, not, not um, you know, if, but, but when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who is in heaven 
who sees in secret will reward you. So Jesus, again, he kind of talks about the whole right hand, left hand. And remember a few verses ago, he said, cut your hand off. And remember, we talked about how that's hyperbole and don't actually cut your hand off uh, or pluck your eye out, which unfortunately some people have done. Uh, trying to be obedient to Jesus, that's not it. And so here, your right hand is going, they don't have brains in them, but they're, they're, you're going to know as you're doing things. The point is not to do things in a public way that people will see it. But at the same time, remember chapter 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your... So, <laughs> which is it? It's both. And it's the motive behind it that determines what should be done and how it should be done. Because if, if, you take one, if you take one route, you end up doing what the Pharisees or the Sadducees were doing, blowing trumpets. Now, many believe they didn't actually blow trumpets. Jesus was making a point here. But, but you know, just like, you know, look how much money I'm giving, right? Like a moment like that. People will go that way because we're supposed to let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Other people would go this way and say literally, don't tell anyone, and if you do, you've lost a reward. And I just don't see Jesus saying either of those extremes. He's, Jesus is always kind of in the middle, right? Because either way leads to error. Extremes on both sides end up in error. And so he says, no, but check your motives. And so we shouldn't be ashamed whenever we do things, do good works, uh, but public visibility isn't the win. The glory of God is. That's our aim. That's the, that's the thing that we're... We're going for here. And so, so it's okay if somebody sees our good works. Uh, but Jesus is highlighting the heart of generosity. He's highlighting the heart of generosity. R.T. France says this. He said this. Religious observance is to be directed towards God, not to gain the approval of men. And I think that kind of sums up this whole idea. The things that we do for God should be for God. And through much prayer and through much reflection and asking people around you or people who are around you who are honest, those, those things keep us in bounds. Those things keep us humble. Because we have a tendency in our selfishness to make everything about us. It's horrible, isn't it? Man, don't y'all wish that we could just do things, like just do things pure all the time? And not have to like say, well, man, did I, did I do that for the right reasons? That is, that is something that for some people, it even stops them from being generous. It even stops people for, from doing good things because they, they get to a point where they, they're, they're so, um, they, they condemn themselves in every way that they can't even do good things for people because they're like, oh, well, then they would know. And so I just want to communicate both sides because if not, there's a trap on, on either side. We are to be generous, but we're to be generous for the right reasons. And this is the heart that Jesus is talking about. Now, here's the deal. I have no clue whether you are doing something for God or for yourself. Unless you do something really weird, that's pretty obvious, you know. Say something that's like, this is about me. I mean, it's pretty obvious if somebody says that. But typically, it's not the place. Just like most things in the Christian life, I am not your judge. I have no clue. Jesus is saying this to a large group of people. He might know their every story, but they don't know each other's story. But every single person in their heart knows what's going on. And that's what Jesus is getting to. That's what, that's what the Christian walk is all about, y'all. 
But people get hung up, we get hung up in religion, which is just doing the rules, obeying someone's word, right? Instead of leaning into the spirit of the law, the heart of the law, the word of God, and obeying God, not just obeying people, right? And so it's the same thing with generosity. So there's a story in the book of Luke that I believe really kind of reveals or shows or illustrates this spirit of generosity best, and it's in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. It says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. So let's picture it. Let's stop and picture it. Jesus is there. He sees all the rich people, all their nice clothes. They're like, you know, gallivanting around, and they they have a big offering box in front of everybody, and they just take their time. It's kind of like whenever the the bride's coming down the aisle, you know, and like she doesn't have to walk that slow, but she is walking that slow, especially if it's a short aisle, and it's like, And everybody is standing there just going. (laughs) You know, it's just still waiting for that procession. But why? That's her moment. That's her moment. And, And I picture these people. This is their moment. You know what I'm saying? I've been saving up all year. I've been saving up for the last 10 years. Or I did this or did this. And like. Bum, 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 got their big bucket of money, you know, they're coming up, and they're like, <laughs> you know, and, and they dump it, you know, that's actually, some people believe that that's kind of the trumpet that was sounding was the sound of all that money clanging in the buckets, that's what the trumpet was, and he's like, don't do that, but that's what's going on. But Jesus saw a poor widow put in two small, small copper coins. Everybody's looking at the big shot walking down the aisle slowly. Jesus looks at the little lady that walks up, and she's got two little bitty copper coins. They were worth hardly anything at all. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of their poverty, put in all she had to live on. Jesus was looking at the heart, but he was always also looking at the math. You know, you got $50 million and they give $5,000. And it's like, okay, you know. And this lady's got two copper coins and she gives all that she had. It's not about how much. It's never about how much. For some people to give five bucks to a person is a gigantic sacrifice. My dad um, tells a story about whenever he graduated high school, um, his dad had gone bankrupt multiple times in multiple businesses, really had a really tough life. And um, he graduated high school and he gets in after the, after the um, ceremony and he's in the back seat and his mom turned around and gave him like a hundred bucks. And he's like, oh, wow, you know. Maybe it was 50. I think it was maybe 50. Huh? Maybe it was like 25. It, it was <laughs> inflation. Inflation, guys. Gave him $500, which is worth about $3 now. Y'all seen gas lately? <laughs> um, anyway, man, you fill up and you're just like, when's it going to stop? I'll just go with a half a tank today. Uh, but no. Yeah, it might have been 20 bucks. It, yeah, 100's a lot. It's too much. 100's, where's dad at? I need to ask him. Anyway, I'm talking to my sister, by the way. She's on the front row. Who's he talking to? 
But uh, he turned around and, and, and she gave him whatever, a few bucks. And my dad's like, oh, thanks. You know, it's great. And it wasn't until he was about 40 or 50 years old that he actually understood how much my grandma gave him because they had nothing. They had nothing. Shoes falling apart, lost the job again, bankrupt the whole nine yards. And what my dad ended up doing, he ended up writing a letter to, to my grandma and letting her know like how appreciative he was of what she gave because he's like, I, I realize now what, what you gave. The number didn't matter. It was out of the lack. It was the sacrifice. Sacrifice is at the heart of generosity. And that's what Jesus is talking about. We talked about sacrificial giving back in November. Um, and that's one of the, you know, the, the, the principles of, of why we give is we give sacrificially. And that's at the heart of generosity. Generosity is sacrificial. This type of sacrifice is also what we see Jesus really showing us through his life and his death and his, his resurrection. But I want you to think quickly about the people who are sitting in, on the side of the mountain. We have a hindsight's twenty twenty. We can see sacrifice and we immediately put it, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And these people have, have no understanding of that yet. But can you imagine, fast forward a couple years later, whenever he dies and he's hanging on the cross... And those people that sat here and, and they, they, they sat underneath his teaching about generosity and sacrifice and all of these things. And then they see it personified in the fact that he would literally give his, his life for them. Jesus was, was generous to death. Ultimate sacrifice. And this point to us is that God's generosity was displayed to us through Christ's sacrifice on the cross. In the same way that Jesus, he, he fulfilled the law and then he raised the standard of the law, he, he, he sets the precedent for what is right or wrong or righteous or not. He sets the bar. And even in generosity, Jesus set the bar so high. We, we say this a lot. I would give my life for my family. I would die for my kids and my wife, Right? And I might love you a lot, but it would have to be a special day. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, it had to be a special day. Jesus gave his life, literally. He went before the religious leaders who had been trying to kill him for years because he said that he was God, because he said that he forgive, could forgive sin, because he said he was fulfilling all this stuff. They hated him. They, he was a blasphemer. You know, he was, he was, he was a terrible person and, and a false prophet, all these things. And he went before those people and, and he struggled in the garden. He said, God, not my will, but your will be done, Right? But he, he willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for us. He set the bar. He set the standard. And he, and he did it for people who literally were lying about him and conniving. And come on, we might, we might die for those we love, but would we die for those who hate us? Jesus set the standard for what it is as, as an example of what true sacrifice is for us. And that's why this scripture is so important. Now, this scripture is one of the most overstated normalized verses in our country. But in light of what we just talked about, let's, let's read this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. Come on. 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And most people stop right there. But look at the next one. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. These words right here, y'all, are life. It's the full expression of love. God is love and the greatest way that he saw fit to express his love to us, sinful humanity, was to send his son, the only begotten of the father, to send his son to this earth to live a perfect life, to have no reason for someone to punish him, but yet to willingly submit himself to his own creation in order to receive the punishment that we deserved. It makes no, no sense in our, in our mindset. I go back to the beginning whenever we talk about like the whole karma mindset or the whole thing. Like you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad. Jesus did good and got bad. Right? That's the standard. And, and, and this is the heart of the kingdom of God surrounding the heart of generosity. That we would live our lives in this way. That we would pray for those who, who, who persecute us and, and, and our enemies. That we would love those and it would almost confound them. That they would be like, I don't understand. For the last five years, I've mistreated you. I've lied about you. But yet every time I see you, you smile at me genuinely and, and, and you ask me how I'm doing. Why are you doing that? Because I have the heart of generosity. I have the heart of Jesus. This, this type of, of teaching pulls me into a different type of living. It pulls me out of my own way of what I desire to live like, right, which is sinful and fleshly and, and self-seeking. It pulls me out of that and it sets me in a place that I'm having to live sacrificially because I'm doing this to honor God. Let your light so shine before men that they will see those good works and glorify him. Y'all feel that? Like this, this is what we live for. This is how we live. And it's, and it's fully expressed through the, the person and the work of Jesus. And you know, for a lot of us in this room today, we have a relationship with Jesus. We know him. We, we, man, we have a life of prayer and devotion. God has changed our life. But I know that there's some of you that you're either on the fence. You're not quite sure if this is for you. And some of you are very far away and you're like, this ain't for me at all. I want to pray for all of us, no matter where we're at right now, because I believe God's dealing with us at every level. For some of us, man, we're doing well with Jesus, but like we've, we just got kind of, kind of kicked a little bit to live sacrificially and have the true heart of generosity. For others, man, we're way over here and we're living a selfish lifestyle. And the Bible says that that's, it's not okay that we do that, but it's okay. We can repent from that. We can turn from unrighteousness and turn to Jesus. And that's what we want to do right now. So go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And we do that just so there's no distraction and just so you could focus in on Jesus. God, I come to you right now and we all come together to, to pray that you would change our, our thought process, God. Change the way that we live, the way that we see the people around us, the way that we see situations around us. God, if we have been living a self-seeking life that lacks generosity or even a life that we do generous things, but we, we now see that we have been doing it in a self-seeking way, God, we are asking that right now that you would search us deeply, 
the words that we say, the things that we do. And right now, God, we ask for you to reveal our heart, our motive behind why we do good things. God, we repent right now for misusing those moments, for misusing those righteous acts, for the accolades of people, for the attention of people. And God, starting today, we're going to do those same things, but we're going to do those same things for the right reasons. So that others would see those good works and Lord, that we would deflect all glory, that we would deflect all credit to you. Because if we have money or we have material possessions, you are the source of those things. If we have health in our bodies, you are the source of those things. If we have a a good personality and, and we're able to really, you know, just interact with people in a way that they like to be around us, God, we give you credit for that because you gave us that personality. God, in every single part of our lives, we deflect all the glory back to you. God, for for those of us who are in a tough place right now, I pray that you would bring clarity. Financially, relationally, maritally, whatever it is, God, that you bring clarity. That you would search our hearts for maybe being in the place that we're at because of bad decisions that we've made and lack of discernment and wisdom. And God, that starting today, you would give discernment and wisdom to make proper choices that honor you and that lead to a life of, of fulfillment. And right now, God, I also pray for each person in this place who's not close to you, who doesn't know you. I pray that, God, you would, you would reveal yourself to them in a special way, that you would help them to, to see Jesus, to understand the cross, why you died on that cross and why you were raised to new life for our redemption and our healing. And God, for all of us, we look forward to the day that you return. We look forward to the day that we will see you and all the things that are confusing and all the things we don't understand, that we will have clarity, that we will have understanding and that we'll be truly in your presence. We find joy and hope in that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.